Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CX Cast. I'm your host, Angelina Jenis, joined as always by Adele Sage. Hey, Adele. Hello, hello. And today, a bit of a Blue Cross celebrity, Gracia Carver, who's the Chief Experience Officer at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City, is joining us. Hey, Gracia. Hello. So just to kick it off, Gracia, do you mind telling us a little bit about your role at Casey, Blue Casey? Happy to, happy to. So I have overall responsibility for customer experience, the practice itself, which really constitutes measurement, understanding, aka research, strategy, improvement, and culture. And, and we've re- I've been with the organization just about three years, actually this month in March. And we really spent the first few years laying foundational aspects of strategy and culture. And we really did that through a pretty significant measurement process. So having some prior experience in in pushing that CX boulder up a mountain, I really leaned on that experience to um, help me determine the prioritization for laying foundational aspects of a CX practice first. And I, I think it really paid off. So if we think about evolving culture, uh, and I'm very careful to use that word because a lot of work was, was being done before I ever joined the organization. But evolving culture requires behavior change. You know, it requires hearts and minds <laughs> to, to have kind of a, a new mindset or a, an enhanced mindset around customer centricity. And so I knew if we were to build a measurement program and a practice around the measurement program that we would be able to drive a lot of that mindset within the organization. And it really has uh, proven out really well so far. Where do you start when you think about culture change? Is it starting with certain employees or certain aspects of the culture that need changing? How do you even begin? That is a really good question. And I, I asked myself that, of course, you know, when I started out having prior experience again of really pushing things up a mountain. But I decided to try something at Blue when I joined, and that was to ask for some senior leadership collaboration. And literally before the end of my second month, I asked, you know, a number of senior leaders. These were, you know, VPs and and senior vice president level, some with chief titles, to join me for a long lunch. And in that lunch asked if we could co-create the definition of customer experience for Blue KC together. And what that really constituted, one, was a healthy conversation about what customer experience is, the fact that everyone owns the experience, every single department that includes shared services like finance and HR and all those other critical parts of the business that you know the company and other departments share. And I brought in a number of just traditional definitions of customer experience, you know, things you can Google, right? And I also know from my own career that many organizations have kind of spiritual children, if if you would, that says just certain things, certain phrases aren't used, you know, certain things just 
for whatever reason in the culture or history of the company just don't work. And so I wanted to assess that. I wanted to make sure we were hitting it out of the ballpark with the right definition, with the right wording that, that resonated with the organization. And so I actually posted those generic traditional definitions around the room. And we did kind of three-step exercise. One, what of these definitions resonate with a blue KC kind of culture for customer experience? And that was kind of the first thing I asked them to go really underline those phrases that made sense for the company. And then the second part was, what doesn't work? What are things we need to avoid? And for Blue KC, there's some history around certain words that just didn't want to be used. And then, and I don't know what that is. I didn't ask, didn't care. You know, I really just wanted to, to make sure move that forward. we could move forward and build that definition together. And then the third part of that was, okay, so of the pieces that don't work, what concepts of those pieces do we still need to include, but how do we word them and phrase them? And within that two-hour lunch, we were able to come up with a draft definition of customer experience for Blue KC. And as a result, we kind of walked out of the room and I had, you know, all those ambassadors that are senior leaders in the company to be able to talk about what customer experience is, who owns it, what it's not. And I think that really helped us lay a foundation. And, and I followed up with each leader independently over the next few weeks, just to solidify the wording. We changed a few things here and there. And a few weeks later, we had the definition of customer experience for Blue KC. Two hours. That is incredible to get all of that done. I imagine that most companies would take weeks. Yes. To do what? How, 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 I'm still wrapping my head around how you could do that in two hours. You know, the way I did that, so one, I have, so one of my quirks is I have zero patience, right? And, and I knew if I did the typical thing, it would take exactly that, Adele, weeks and weeks, and we didn't have that kind of time. And so I'd worked hard to kind of pre-prepare those leaders. Here's what I'd like to talk about. Here's what I'd like to do. And I would put myself on their calendars with their admin assistant for 15 minutes, just you know, they're very, very busy people. And so I tried to just find some little slot where I could talk to them for a few minutes. Hey, would like to do this co-creation session with you. Here's everybody who's going to attend. Here's kind of what to think about. Are you in? And, you know, I got head nods the whole way. And then I did the homework before I got in the room. What do customer experience definitions look like out there in the industry? Um, had the posters already, had the whole process for how I wanted to lead that, and just did a lot of pre-work in advance and, and pushed everyone. The words were already there. wasn't We weren't having to create it from scratch. And that's one thing I feel like has really helped me, you know, in any of my roles is, one, don't give people homework, and two, do a lot of the work up front. <laughs> and then you're just kind of tweaking from there. I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'm thinking no yeah. homework. Yeah, don't give people it, homework. No one does it anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're doing some collaboration sessions right now on our new improvement framework, which I can talk about in detail if you guys want. But that's one of our rules with our customer experience council. 
And when my team originally put together the agenda, they were going to give them homework. And I said, whoa, because it won't get done. And then we're going to spend our time chasing it. Right. So that's kind of our one of our rules. No homework. We have to figure out how to get this work done in the session. Tell us more, please, about the council and who's on it and how does it work? Mm-hmm. And what it, what are the responsibilities of the council? Yeah, great question. So again, having learned how not to do this <laughs> in a prior role, I knew I wanted to create a customer experience council that represented all factions of the company. So I've got an HR person in there. I have an IT person in there. I have a medical management, you know, we're a health plan. Medical management folks are in there. Our marketing communication team is represented. Finance is represented. Our project management team. So just think of every faction of, of the organization is represented in our CX council. And in, in kind of a prior life, we had a council but it was very high level people, VPs and above. And it became this report out session. Here's what we're doing for CX. And I wanted to create a council that was actually a working council, one that would bring in subject matter expertise, help us make decisions, but people who know their aspect of the business because they, they do it each and every day. So they're, they're typically supervisors, managers, some are even individual contributors. I do have some DVP level folks in in there, but they're very knowledgeable about their area. We do not have a set, you know, once a month or once every other month. I, I don't like to have meetings just to have a meeting, but we call upon our council and we have a charter. Here's our charter. Here's our purpose. Here's what we're asking you to do. But when we schedule a meeting with our CX council, we do it in a way that gives them some lead time. So three to four weeks in advance, we tell them ahead of time, here's what we're going to be asking you to do in that session. We need your expertise for this, this, and this. You know, we're getting ready to have one next week because we are going to be prioritizing our improvement events from our ClareBridge data that shows us what our top five 2020 pain points were for the year. And so we're bringing them together to bring those pain points to life. We'll play calls. We'll show verbatims. Here's what our members are telling us isn't working. And then we're going to ask them to help us prioritize. Where do we start with these five? We're going to work on these five this year. Which one do we start with first? We're using an ease, urgency, and impact prioritization model with them. But again, we don't give them homework to go do it. We do it in the two-hour session. Here's the topic. Here's what we're going to prioritize. You guys vote. We're also going to be asking them for some root cause because they're the SMEs in the business. What's the root cause, guys, that our members are, are complaining about the fact that they can't pay a bill? They're complaining about the fact that their claims aren't paid on time. They're complaining about the fact that they can't get self-service on the web. Those happen to be three of our five this year. So We've got all the right people in the room that have expertise in those areas and they can give us some insights. And I can tell you last year when we did this for the first time, the dialogue was so rich because in our organization, you know, everybody is busy with their own stuff, right? They're they're working in their own area, their own silo, if you will. And we're not having a lot of cross-functional conversations about the A to Z process or, or member journey, if you will to get through that process. And when they get in a room and they're talking about these problems and 
IT will say, oh, but remember this situation. And med management will say, but here's what's really happening behind the scenes with claims. And it's just amazing to listen to that conversation. And one, we learn a lot from it, from it, but so does everybody else. They're learning from each other. Right. right. And it's helping us identify those gaps, which then leads to our future state mapping as, as one of our phases of improvement. But we have purposely designed that group to be SMEs, and we purposely manage it so that we're getting a lot of answers and contribution in the session itself. I love this image of just assembling them when you need them, like they're superheroes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the Avengers yeah. or something. You just call them when, when you need them. I mean, you know, with a little more notice than come right now, but right. that's such a powerful image and, and I think makes them feel, I'm guessing, makes them feel valued mm-hmm. that their time, their time is precious and you're, you, you only need them when you really need them and then you really need them and you have purpose getting together. Right. That's right. And it also avoids this kind of report out situation that I think you get into, you know, in a monthly meeting. Oh, here's what we're doing now. And, and I don't want CX to be that. I want CX to belong to the company. Mm-hmm. Part of my job, and, and I told my boss this because we were talking about organization, is that as a CX team, I should never really have a big team. If we're creating a culture where everybody owns it, if I'm having to create a big team, then we've done something wrong from a pure CX practice. It, it needs to be, and I will tell you, the conversations I hear now, even when people don't even know I'm on the phone, I hear so much about, why are we doing this? Is this for the member or is it for us? The conversation is, it's amazing to listen to. That must be so satisfying. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it's always a great indicator of culture change when they're adopting the language. Yep, it is. To that point, Angelina, what are some of the ways, Gracia, that you're measuring culture change? Yeah, we, so that is such a good question. And I spent a lot of time in my first year here creating that measurement process and practice. And The other thing I did was I benchmarked not only outside of our industry, but I probably talked to, I don't know, 30 of our 36 blues. One, my background is not healthcare. So, you know, I'm learning constantly. But two, we've got some really smart people (laughs) in these blues that are smarter than me. But I just wanted to understand what was working and not working for them. What are some things I need to think about? because it, it is an, a different industry than, than what my background was. I also knew that there were certain measurement practices that I was used to and my consumer, and I have both a B2B and B2C background, and I, I know what works and what doesn't in those two environments. And I am a Net Promoter Score fan, but I also know the challenges that it has, especially in the B2B world. And I had done a lot of reading and work really associated with CXI for the index that Forrester has. And I know in my background, talking to people about measures and constantly repeating what Net Promoter means, what it is, constantly thinking about 
what are the things we have to measure and think about and do to, to drive behavior, to drive desired behavior? And I knew in a health plan, which is largely B2B, although we at Blue KC do kind of have this B2C world with our primary care area, but I knew net promoter score, although important and something we should watch, I knew what I would go through if we were going to use it as, as kind of the, so I wanted to build this portfolio, but I wanted to have this primary measure, at least in the beginning, that we could maybe even incent on at a relationship level, because incenting can be very dangerous if you don't do it right and, you know, can drive all kinds of wrong behaviors and things like that. And I've been there too. Right. Of course. So, you know, I was thinking about all of those things in my mind at the same time talking to all these other blues and looking at some other things that was happening in the industry and drawing upon my background on what worked and what didn't work and work. And I know how much the right measures, the right measures can drive the right behaviors. And I also know how to watch for when things are going south. So I've spent decades of my career doing that kind of stuff a lot of years in care centers where it's whack-a-mole metric, right? So, you know, I created this, this four-pronged approach to a relationship-level measurement practice, still knowing we're going to have a ton of transactional measures going on, and we do, and we even do it by journey phase, right? But I wanted to build this relationship-level measurement portfolio, and so it's ease, effectiveness, trust, and loyalty, those four. But I wanted to propose that we incent on one that would help drive culture and behavior evolution. And then I laid it out in a way where we could potentially graduate up. So I propose that we start with, with ease. How easy is it to work with Blue KC? It's a relationship level question. We can't really do anything to game the system with that. We built the whole methodology, the survey, sampling plan, all of that. We have a third party that does it. And I will tell you, you know, it took months and months and months, but we got that approved. But I I basically built it to say, let's start with ease. And I can have a conversation with an employee that says, what are you doing in your job every day to make it easier for our member? An employee can relate to that question. An employee cannot relate to what do you do every day in your job to increase loyalty? There's no connection there. Or even build trust. I would think that that is is also very conceptual. Right. So I wanted to start there. And then I built this middle piece of the portfolio around CXI, ease, effectiveness, trust. And as we mature as an organization, we may go there as that incentive piece to CXI. And then maybe in our more consumer-driven businesses, we do look at NPS. But I built it in a way where we could have flexibility and graduate based on our maturity and what we're seeing with our customer-centered behavior. And again, it's it's changing conversations. We went from a 57% when we first started looking at our numbers to now we're 72, 73. Congratulations. And I've not even been here three years yet. So it's, it's working. It may not be the be-all, end-all. I'd like to look at member engagement type metrics. And I think there's a really good paper that uh, I think it was Maxi is really heading up. But 
you know, where we could really start analyzing ourselves against those, the relationship measures and what are we doing by journey stage and what are we doing, you know, different tier levels of a good measurement program. And I think we're probably 80% there, but I want to use that model to get better. So essentially you've tracked the same four metrics, but the graduation that you see is in the balance of which ones you're paying a lot of attention to as a, as a company. Is that right? And potentially incenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So today we incent on ease. We're trying to drive that mindset of what are we doing to make things easier for our members? What are we doing to simplify healthcare (laughs) where we can, you know, where a health plan can. I really like this idea that you're measuring all of them, but are pulling levers on different ones over time. So you're not changing the measurement. Right. Then you're not saying, oh, we don't need to measure this anymore. Now we need to measure that. You have the measurements in place. It's just a question of what you're focused on from within those metrics. That's right. Yep. So you're bringing the culture along and bringing every employee along on ease. Does your CX roadmap also reflect starting with ease or do you have to tackle a lot of different things to make progress? Well, we do have to tackle a lot of things, that's for sure. I will tell you, I just did a refresh of our five-year roadmap since we're three years in and I'm really using the muse, uh, an acronym around music. So measurement, understanding, strategy, improvement, and culture. Nice. Just because I, I want to get people to start remembering what it is, what the practice is. We get some interesting questions still from groups with internally. And we had one group the other day tell us we need to be talking about their member experience to, to the board. And we're like, whoa. You own the experience for your line of business. We are here to help you. Here's how we help measurement, understanding, strategy, improvement, culture. So I'm really honing in on that kind of framework model. And for this next level of maturity, I want to see us go after is around ease. And I want to start looking at touch point ease. So we, we do transactional measures throughout the company in a lot of different areas and a lot of different ways, which is great. Our relationship survey does ask some transactional ease questions. How easy was it for you to use our website? Things like that. But I want to start understanding all the touch points by phases of the journey for every line of business. So we have created a touch point map for our large group business. And so we know for every phase of the journey what the touch points are. And then with that, we are now um, identifying the owners who owns those touch points. Because what I'd like to do is start influencing an ownership and accountability component to, to Blue KC that says, okay, I own our wellness platform. It's a touch point. This is just an example. It's a touch point that our members have. And so as the business owner of that wellness platform that we're offering to members, I'm now accountable for ease, an ease measure. You know, how easy is it to use? A-H-Y. And then we always collect verbatims. Why did you give that answer? So we can help kind of get actionable insights into what might be a pain point. And that's just one example. 
I can think of the EOB, the website. There's just so many touch points that we want to we want to make sure there's ownership of and then start really practicing accountability to an ease measure around those touch points. So that's just one example of how I want to augment and mature our measurement program, which then leads us to, you know, accountability for action. It's nice and orderly. It makes it easy for me to follow along with all of your different work streams so I can start connecting the dots. So Mm -hmm. I can see how you can gain a lot of momentum once you've got it all started and people get it and they can come along with you. Right. And, And so this year, a big part of what I want my team and I doing is really reaching out to those owners. We have identified quite a few owners. And I'll give you one example, and this is really the example of how I even got here in the first place. I would say within my first six months here, somebody on my team brought me an EOB in the health plan. It's an explanation of benefits. And that EOB was given to him by a friend of the CFO of a community in the Kansas City area. And so this is a CFO who received his, his EOB and said, I can't understand your EOB. And so it ended up in my desk. I looked at it, and I couldn't make the math work, right? And I'm like, well, I'm not a math person. It's probably me. So then I went out to try to find the owner. Again, I'm I'm with the company less than six months, trying to find the business owner for the EOB, and there wasn't one. I ended up talking to several people who kind of helped me along the way with what the problem could be. I ended up in IT shop who had the relationship with the vendor we used who created the EOB. And my conversation in IT was, IT is an enabler to the business, right? They can't be the business owner for a touch point that our members receive. It's just not fair for IT to own all of that. And the business needs to own it. So now we actually have an owner for the EOB, not because of anything I influenced, but because of some changes in the organization, what we're doing. But that's a great example of we've got to get owner, business owners for these touch points so that we have the right key stakeholder to work with to make improvements when we have pain points and when we have things that need to be improved for our members. And so that's just a really good example of one, but there are many. So you mentioned a five-year strategy. What are some of the ongoing efforts, the continuous improvement that you are working on? One of the things that I'll always worry about, although worry is probably not the right word, but I'll always want to make sure we're refreshing and doing as a CX practice, and that is to make sure that we're continuing to evolve the culture. And we're continuing to find ways to make that customer-centric culture who we are at Blue KC. And I think if those things aren't constantly reminded and refreshed, it can get really stale or forgotten pretty easily. And so we do a couple of things around culture, and, and there are things that we will continually do. And you may have already heard of these, Adele, but we have this program called Random Acts of Easy. So one of the things I want to do is we think about the accountability to making things easy for our members. The other part of the accountability is 
our employees are the ones that are delivering those experiences, right? And so their experience matters as much or more. So we're constantly thinking about ways of how do we help our employees feel what it's like to have things made easy for them, right? And they all have really hard jobs. Health insurance, healthcare, it's just hard. It, it is. It's a hard industry and it's just hard work. And so we, with the help of some collaborators in our business, our marketing communication team is amazing. We got together and kind of brainstorm on what can we do continually that will help with this. And so we created this random acts of easy program. That's something that can be refreshed constantly with new ideas. But what we have been doing every year on CX Day, we actually rent golf carts and we have them brought to the parking lot. And my team and I, we go pick up people from their cars and drive them to the door. It's a huge parking lot, right? And, you know, October, it can be cold. And then at go home time, we do the reverse. But in that golf cart ride, we talk about what are we doing to make things easy for you? What are we doing to make things easy for our members? And that's been really popular. Other little things that we do, we buy ice scrapers, umbrellas. But what we do is when it's bad weather, my team goes downstairs and they hand out this stuff. And it's got, we, we are branded. Our team is branded as the power of X. And all of our, our giveaways are branded. And it's so funny because an employee will say, well, how did you know it was going to ice today? <laughs> so we have the supply and we just use that opportunity to say we anticipated your need. Making it easy for you. It's all part of the practice, right? Yeah, making it easy and just constant reminder. And what we're working on now for next CX Day is this program around our very first member over 80 years ago. Her name is Betty Grace Jackson. And we are creating a whole program around what would we do for Betty? And we're putting plaques in every conference room that says, you know, Betty Grace Jackson, our first member. This is a reminder of constant customer centricity. What would we do for Betty as you're making decisions and process changes? How are you doing that to make things easier for our, our members and keeping Betty in mind? And we've got a number of other ideas. So I think that continual refresh and continue, you don't just set a culture and the culture's there. It's got to be a continual body of work. And I think one that really honors the employee. Yeah. I really like how you're connecting the customer outcome to the employee experience in something like the you know, the golf carts and the scrapers and umbrellas and things like that, you're showing them by showing you that your experience as an employee can be better. That gives you the inspiration to then make the customer experience better. Yeah. I mean, without that, without our employees, we, there is no experience. So their experience matters. Well, what a great thought to end on. Gracia, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your taking the time to tell us more about your program. My pleasure and absolutely honored to be with you guys today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This has been wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Gracia Carver, the Chief Experience Officer at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening to the CX Cast.